Bobby and I are super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. I love the look and comfort of my new Oakley glasses. The lenses are like nothing I've ever experienced with their prism lens technology. These lenses protect my sun-sensitive blue eyes, but somehow also make colors even more vibrant and details even more clear. And let me tell you, Oakleys, they are popular in my household as both my sons argue over who gets to borrow my glasses. They both play outdoor sports and they know Oakley is the best for training. Plus, I think they want to look a little bit like Lamar Jackson, who is also sponsored by Oakley. Now, my personal favorite pair is from the HSTN collection. I've literally been wearing mine every day since I got them. So let me tell you what you should do. Head on over to oakley.com right now and get yourself a pair of glasses that will change your look for the better. But don't just trust me. Try them for yourself. Go to oakley.com for more information today. Well, welcome into the vault. It is Wednesday, June 28th. I'm Bobby Trossett, joined by my co-host, Sarah Ellison. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Oakley. And before we dive in, we wanted to shout out and thank two of our returning patrons who are supporting our YouTube channel, who are supporting our audio-only podcast efforts through Patreon this month. So we appreciate you, James Wiley and D Black. Uh, we'd also obviously love to hear from everyone. You can hit us up via email at any time at BaltimoreRavensVault at gmail.com. And if you're interested in getting more involved with the show, like we mentioned, a great way to do so is checking out our Patreon account by visiting patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault podcast. All right, we are closing out the month of June. We have a monthly mailbag that's going to be available next week. So we're looking forward to that. We have several special guests coming up. And yeah, I mean, we're less than a month at this point, Sarah, away from the start of training camp. So it's uh, so close yet so far. It is far away. And so we should take advantage of this time, which is what we're trying to do and have some uh, a little bit more downtime before the, you know, just the storm hits of all the news that we will be covering. And uh, so it's nice to have some downtime. But today I thought it would be fun to talk about MVP chances for Lamar Jackson. And um, I came upon this clip from our friends over there at Good Morning Football, and they were discussing what it would take for Lamar Jackson to return to his 2019 MVP form. Yeah, and specifically the clip that we're going to share is is a uh, snippet from Kyle Brandt's thoughts uh, on this conversation. So here is that sound. He's fifth. He's fifth. Oh, He's right there. Okay. The only guy you, you got you got Mahomes, uh, Burrow, Hurts, and Allen. Yep. Those are the only guys ahead of him. So we we champion a lot of these. The Rodgers return to New York and the Justin Herbert inevitable coronation yeah. we keep waiting for. He is still right there at number five, and I, I think he should be healthy, happy, wealthy, supported. Well, uh, just remember this. The MVP is about three things. You have to have astronomical statistics these days, which he can do. 
You have to win, and that's going to be massive for him. Like, the, the Bengals are there. The Steelers are there. No one wins the MVP if they sneak into the wild card or miss the playoffs. But then three, you have to have a story. And that's it shouldn't, but you do. Believe me, they wanted to give it to Jalen Hurts so bad last year, he got hurt and wouldn't let him and went to Mahomes. The repeat champions, I, I think they're loath to do, unless it's undeniable. Lamar has a story. He has a fantastic story. It's a few years since his last one. The offseason, the contract, it's all there. The only ingredient that I'm not sure if he's going to do yet is ingredient number two. You cannot be eight and nine and win the MVP. It just doesn't happen. You got to have 12 wins, 13 wins. It's got to be undeniable. I don't know if the Ravens are good enough for that yet. I really don't. He's good. He's talented. He has a story. You're not winning anything unless you have double-digit wins easily walking into the playoffs. Good stuff there. So just some background. When he was naming the other quarterbacks, each person on the panel had a name, you know, who was ahead of Lamar in how they viewed it in the MVP rankings before the season even began. So, yeah, I mean, he named Burrow, Hertz, Allen, Mahomes. Um, so, yeah, all those guys, I'm sure all their local fans and teams are saying, hey, can they play at an MVP level? I think any one of those guys could win it if they were all playing at their best for the entire season. Obviously, Lamar would be in that conversation. Then somebody could swoop in. There could be like a new a new contender that, you know, nobody knows about. So what I thought was interesting, Bobby, is kind of the three ingredients that Kyle named in order to win an MVP. And I totally agree with the three ingredients. He said you have to have insane stats. You have to, your team has to win, which is totally true. How can you be MVP of a team that's like, you know, not even going to the playoffs? Like, that's great. You can be an MVP in that city, but be to the league MVP. You have to not just be good, good, the best on your team. You have to propel your team to, you know, an amazing record. And then you have to have a story. So can Lamar get insane stats? Yeah, we saw that in 2019. Can he repeat it? It's going to be interesting because this year, I know that there's already a bigger emphasis on passing. So, but, but even with that, if Lamar throws for, you know, say for the first time, 4,000, I still say he can rush for a thousand in his sleep, you know, and that, I don't even think you have to have, you know, a ton of designed runs like you had under Greg Roman. So to me, I guess we'll go through this category by category. Maybe each of us can kind of comment on it. I think if he had 4,000 passing, you know, a thousand rushing, that's all good, but really I thought what really put Lamar over the edge in 2019 was that he led the league in both passing touchdowns and total touchdowns, and I think he would have to do that. Whatever the ratio is between passing and rushing, I think he'd have to lead the league in touchdowns in order to have those insane stat- stats that Kyle's talking about, and I think he can do that. Yeah, I think he can too, and and obviously the the story is there to Kyle's point. I'm kind of surprised that w- what's catching him, you know, snagging him, I guess, from really becoming a believer is, is the doubts about winning. I mean, this is a team that was 10 and seven. They they hit the double digit category in, in wins last year without Lamar down the stretch. So I, I don't, to, to me, I don't see them having, if assuming that they stay healthy, I don't really see them having an issue get getting to that double digit mark. I don't think they're going to be well north of it. I think it's going to be around 10 or 11, a uh, hint hint for our 
season predictions that are coming up later this summer. But was that a concern a year or were you surprised by his concern there? 1000% to me. Because what he was doing is he was separating out. He's like, I think Lamar's good enough to do it, but I don't know if the Ravens are there. No, 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 no. Like the only reason why the Ravens have struggled to be the playoff contender, and they did make it last year, didn't the year before. And the only reason why they began to struggle is because Lamar was injured. So if Kyle Brandt is saying... Lamar, yeah, I think Lamar can put up these MVP stats, and the only way that's going to happen is if he's healthy all year, then the Ravens will win. Lamar Jackson's regular season winning percentage is number two of all quarterbacks since he was drafted, since he became the starter in 2018. He has won 73.8% of his regular season Games And we know that the MVP, the league MVP, that's a regular season award. That's not a playoff award. So obviously people ding Lamar for his playoff record, which right now is one in three. But his regular season winning percentage is 73.8. The only person that beats that since Lamar became a starter was Mahomes, who's winning 79.7. I mean, it's bo- I mean, both are off the charts. Mahomes is obviously another even another level. But yeah, that's bananas to me. If Lamar is playing and puts up insane stats like Kyle says he can do, and if that and if he's healthy, the Ravens, uh, like the floor to me is ten wins with Lamar being healthy. But to me, it's like I, I would feel pretty good about eleven or twelve, um, maybe more. Again, if he's putting up insane stats, then it could be thirteen. Remember, this is a seventeen. Um, game season versus in 2009 they were still playing 16 games so um, yeah so that to me is is not a concern to me the, the Ravens have a roster they have a roster right now um, and they can even sustain some injuries and, and keep winning the only injury that they cannot sustain is the injury to Lamar it's one thing if he went ahead and cited like potential concerns like Colin Coward did last week I know we covered that you know, here on the vault about he he just doubts that they're able to stay healthy this year because of what the last few seasons have have been like in the, in the health category. But he didn't even cite that. So, right. So, yeah, I feel good about the story. I feel good about the wins. So I guess if I have to pick and that's kind of what you're setting up here, right? Like if we have to pick one category that that is giving us hesitancy, I would probably go with the statistics. And that's not a knock against Lamar. We know he's capable. He's already been capable of lighting it up statistically speaking, uh, both, you know, in the air and, and on the ground. But um, I think with all the, you know, the different pieces that they now have to build this puzzle, you know, this new Todd Munkin puzzle, then you'd like to think that there will be, you know, a good variety uh, and, and a well-balanced, like we keep talking about this balance. Well, perhaps with that balance comes, you know, a more balanced statistical sheet too. Right, right. I mean, I mean, maybe it's J.K. Dobbins goes off and you know puts up fifteen hundred yards while Gus, you know Gus Edwards adds you know another eight hundred or something, you know something crazy. So, yeah, I would say if you had to choose from those three, that would be the one. It's just so hard to recreate that. I do think the story is there where he's just like, you know, it, you know, again, if he's playing, if he's playing well, the story is man. It really was that the Ravens didn't get him weapons, you know, and now that he's got his weapons, he's been able to unlock this passing game that everybody said he didn't have, you know, so that would definitely be a story. But to me, the real thing 
that would prevent Lamar from being an MVP is that he could have a phenomenal season. But if somebody else has an even more, more phenomenal season, you know what I mean? And so like the year that he won it, he was neck and neck. I think it was like Russell Wilson that year. They were neck and neck for the longest time. And then down the stretch, Lamar pulled away. And so I don't know, could, you know, Mahomes have another phenomenal year. Could Burrow have one? Could Hurts have? I mean, you just never know who's going to get hot. And so to me, it's also like what could prevent it is just that you you have respect for so like Aaron Rodgers. That would be another story. Like what if he goes off? He has a story that he just like left the team that drafted him, that he led for all these years. And then what if he takes the Jets from a, you know, terrible team to this you know, what if he puts up 11 wins and takes the Jets to to um, the playoffs? Like, that's that might even be a better story than Lamar. You know what I mean? So, to me, that's like the thing I'm more, more like. I, I expect Lamar to play at an MVP level, but will somebody else just happen to outperform him in this year? Yeah, and that could be a non-quarterback too, right? Like I think about a guy like Justin Jefferson who's kind of taken the league mm-hmm. by storm, you know, and uh, there's so many talented running backs, of course, that that mean a lot to their team. So who knows? I mean, typically, obviously, from a, a popularity standpoint, visibility, importance to the team, you know, goes to a quarterback, but you, you never know. There's a lot of skilled positions players out there that, that really um, are their team, you know, from a, from a production standpoint, but I don't want to just, discount the pressure too that that Lamar is oh, under yeah. now that he has been paid. You know, I don't think we've probably talked about that a ton uh, throughout this offseason so far, and and I don't think he's one to even address pressure. I mean, he's already been asked about it. He's he's never he's been asked about pressure throughout his entire career, and and I think to his credit, you know, admirably so, he's always had a great sort of ability to downplay those types of questions. Um, but but that's got to be a factor. I mean, he is the highest paid at this at this moment in time. I don't know if that's going to be the case come September, but at this moment in time, you know, from an average annual value sense, he he is the highest paid player in the league. So, you know, that's going to come with a different level of magnitude, a different level of scrutiny. Um, obviously, they're, they're going to be uh, all over primetime, including the London game. And there's going to be a, a lot of media hype every single week, week in and week out for all 18 weeks, 17 games. Now, I don't disagree with you, Bobby, because uh, like having that title of highest paid um, and then you're already seeing and I we're going to get to this in our, our in our mailbag. So I won't go too down too far down this rabbit hole of like people are now saying he's he's you know, without excuses because the Ravens went and got him a new offensive coordinator and, and weapons, but I won't, I won't go down that too much. So I, it's not that I disagree, but I think that the level of increased pressure with that title is different from say when Joe Flacco got that title. Right. So like Joe Flacco during his era, Ravens fans would be complaining that national media never acknowledged the Ravens. Like it was rare, right? Like every once in a while, maybe somebody would talk about Ray Lewis or Terrell Suggs, but it wasn't like this constant media presence in Baltimore. And Joe Flacco was not a guy that got a lot of, you know, media attention. And so he, he could stay under the radar. 
And then once he got that that title of highest paid quarterback, then that it, so yes, the pressure went up maybe tenfold for him. Whereas Lamar has literally been scrutinized. I'm sure from Louisville, but I didn't I didn't follow him as much back then. But I can say for sure since the day he was uh, drafted, and and it's just a constant, constant, constant media media presence. So to me, maybe. Maybe the narratives will change, but to me, I don't think that the pressure has, is like that much more than he's been dealing with his entire career. No, that's a good point. And obviously he's super accomplished already, you know, statistically speaking, he's still waiting for the, you know, the January and beyond part of, of padding that resume. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, who, who knows if, if, if he does feel it, he's uh, externally unfazed. We've, yeah. we've never seen him, you know, he's, he's so unflappable and yeah, there were some emotional outbursts on the field and stuff and yelling at Pat Ricard and having some sideline, you know, um, banter back and forth with teammates last year. And I'm sure some frustration with the way that, you know, the game was being called by Greg Roman, but you know, for the most part, he doesn't necessarily let the outside looking in, uh, see anything that's going on, um, internally for him and i think that's one of his actually his greatest strengths away from the football field it it really is it really is phenomenal like yeah he's not immune to pressure i think you know you named the times where we may have seen seen some some emotion there for sure he hates losing he hates losing for sure um but yeah like he i just think it's one of his his great assets and i think most quarterbacks have to do it where you can just like remain calm under pressure i mean to 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 win in this league you have to so just one other thing before we move on to um the next topic is and this goes without saying but i'll say it anyway just in case you know anybody is saying this lamar would trade a league mvp for a Super Bowl MVP any day of the week. So adding another MVP, it sure would be a nice story and it would be a, another great you know, accolade that he has. But by far, I know because he said his focus is on playing, winning, winning every game that's in front of him and then the playoffs and his ultimate goal, which has been since 2018, was to win a Super Bowl. So... I'm rooting for a Super Bowl MVP over a league MVP, although it sure would be nice to have both. All right. So going into topic two, uh, obviously, Bobby and I are not at OTAs and mandatory minicamp, so we can't give our analysis on how players look. Uh, that said, ESPN <clears throat> reached out to all of its beat reporters and asked them, each beat reporter, to name one player who is a surprise offseason standout. Okay, so all 32 teams had this done. So obviously, Jamison Hensley is the Ravens beat reporter. And the person that he chose that was most surprising to stand out as much as he did was wide receiver Nelson Aguilar. So he said, let's see, he said Aguilar is on his fourth team in five years, but he has made a strong impression in his first offseason with the Ravens. Nelly, as Lamar Jackson calls him, has repeatedly stood out, whether it's a long touchdown grab or a nifty grab on a back shoulder throw. Aguilar is the clear-cut number four wide receiver in Baltimore, but he's making a case for having a bigger role in the passing game. All right, so that was Jamison. 
uh, kind of, you know, uh, his words on what he's seen. Bobby, this isn't the first time we've seen people. I know that we've mentioned it here or there, but we haven't really dug deep into this. We've kind of mentioned it, you know, I feel like, you know, when, when reporters would put out their, here's a practice report, here's a practice highlight, we would see Aguilar a lot. Um, but what are your thoughts as you hear, okay, Nelson Aguilar is the surprise uh, off-season standout? Oh yeah. Well, I, I look at the, some of his, his peers on this list, right? Like each, each beat reporter was tasked with, like you said, name, naming this surprise candidate. And so I just, I don't know. I think we should all just proceed with question, you know, like the, the pads haven't come out and it's, it's late June and Nelson's been around the block. You know, I feel like we were talking about this before he went on the air and he's experienced and he's capitalizing on an opportunity right now where not all wide receivers, you know, in Baltimore have been available so far. And and so I just kind of. I acknowledge it, I, I recognize it, and I'm hopeful that he can be, you know, a reliable veteran for this team. You know, one that is essentially an extension of what Demarcus Robinson provided them last year. Uh, but I'm just I'm just kind of proceeding with caution. You know, there's other names on this list like, you know, Miles Boykin, for example. And, you know, we, we got to know him pretty well in Baltimore. And unfortunately for him, you know, he, he never quite panned out. So, you know, I think you go up and down this list and you, you just want to I just get this overwhelming sense that we should be taking it with a <laughs> with a grain of salt, you know. Yeah. So I think the list I don't I'm sure people at people at home can't see you're referring to a list of past offseason standouts that I've listed, especially at the wide receiver position. Um, and, and I think that's exactly the, the exact point is the reason why, or at least one of the reasons why Nelson Aguilar is standing out right now is because he's getting all the opportunities. OBJ really didn't practice. Rashad Bateman's been injured. Zay Flowers is a rookie just trying to get his feet under him. And so then you've got Nelson Aguilar, who's a former first-round pick. He's been around the block. So, of course, with those opportunities, he's going to stand out. Now, here's a list of past guys that were like these OTA and mandatory minicamp superstars, especially at wide receiver. And there were so many years early in my career that I would be buying into it, okay? Let me, let, let's see if you, if I'm sure some of our listeners remember some of this. Deontay Thompson. I remember people being like, oh my gosh, this guy's doing great. More recently, James Prochet, I think after his rookie year. Hey, he's looking good. Tandon Doss. Tandon Doss was the guy who was supposed to replace Anquan Bolden. Kamari Aiken, Michael Campanero, Quincy Adebojo. Oh my gosh. And then you mentioned Miles Boykin. Bobby, I was so such a believer in Miles Boykin. It was remember he came in the same year that um, uh, Marquise Brown came in, but Marquise was dealing with the screws in his foot from that Liz Frank surgery that he had. Yeah. And I'm telling you, everybody was talking about Miles Boykin. I bought into it so much. Um, I, and again, I was at this point. I was moved to to, to Columbus, and we weren't doing the show. And uh, I went on somebody else's podcast, and they were like. Uh, you know, who do you, who do you predict will be the rookie of the year? And I said, Miles oh, no. Boykin. Yeah, I sure <laughs> did. 
<laughs> I said Miles Boykin. So because I've been so much burned so many times in the past, I'm trying not to buy too much into the Nelson Aguilar thing. But you want to have optimism because it'd be great to have all this, you know, phenomenal depth. And because of, you know, his past, you know, maybe he could become something. But yes, I am like you. I'm going to be cautious and I'm not going to dive all in on this. I'm happy for him. I'm glad that he's doing what he can do up to this point. He's gone out. He's worked out with with Lamar. Maybe he really is developing, you know, this chemistry that will just force him onto the field. But I'm going to take it a a, a day at a time. Let's see if this continues in training camp preseason. And then let's see what kind of opportunities he gets once the season starts. The vault is sponsored by Oakley express your style and build a look that's made for you. And I know for me, I've been rocking the prism black polarized lenses this summer and I'm loving them so far. Oakley's changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run? Do you golf? Maybe you train or perhaps you just want to look like Lamar Action Jackson. If any of the above is true, you got to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self. Really, it's an expression of your personality. There's more than meets the eye. And here on The Vault, we're all about look good, feel good, perform good. And that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. And hey, since it's officially summer, you may want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. So go visit oakley.com to find yourself a pair today. Oakley offers prism lens technology, which is a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye, but don't just trust Sarah and I. Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can confidently say that Oakley's not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. So head on over to oakley.com for more information today. He's doing what he's supposed to do, right? He's a pro. The guy's been around the block. So, And every wide receiver room needs somebody like Nelly. I guess that's what we're calling him now. I actually hadn't caught that yet. That's kind of funny. Lamar's got that sneaky, like, chemistry and camaraderie with his teammates that's not necessarily again all that's kind of like internal stuff too you know the way that he team builds and stuff which is not like it's it's not outwardly facing i kind of like the way he does that uh behind the closed doors but um but yeah every every team needs you know a, a reliable vet like you know, like Nelson. And yeah, like Jameson mentioned, he, he's been around a little bit. You know, he's, he's kind of hopped from team to team over the last four or five years. But hey, see if he can find a home at least for one season, you know, in Baltimore. They've had these guys for for years now, you know, whether it was Sammy Watkins or Deshaun Jackson or Demarcus Robinson or Seth Roberts or Des Bryant for a cup of coffee. I mean, you go up and we, we all know we've covered this, you know, extensively, but uh yeah, I, th- I think it's an interesting conversation and, and one that I'm looking forward to really kind of diving into and, and taking more seriously, let's say, in a month when when the pads are out and it's hot and, and you know, the installs are happening and, and you know, they're going up against the first teamers. And, and yeah, I'll be ready for it then for sure. All right. Let's move on to these mean tweets, Bobby. <laughs> the, yeah. the Ravens, uh, the Ravens uh, production team. Listen. 
They took him. Okay, I guess you can dub them mean tweets, but the Ravens. So basically, the Ravens production crew, they bring mean tweets to players. I'm sure they filmed this during mandatory minicamp and had the players read the mean tweets that were said about them. And so um, obviously. <laughs> They took it a little bit easy. These aren't definitely not the meanest tweets that we've seen about these guys, but a couple of these made me chuckle. Oh yeah, yeah. Like they said, they kept they kept the receipts. You know, it's one of my favorite phrases too. We keep the receipts around here. The Ravens Productions crew does as well. And here's how it sounded: Andrews looks exactly like someone named Mark Andrews. That is all. Well, my name is Mark Andrews, Matt. So, thank you. <laughs> At that's just prime. Now I have to hate Kyle Hamilton. This is April 28th. I assume that was the day of the draft. Let's look at his profile picture. New Jersey Red Devils. Oh, is he a Jets fan or something? Who knows? Well, I'm sorry about that, Mike. That's his real name. Um, hopefully, you root for me in the future. This is from Javier. Um, Mark Andrews looks like <laughs> looks like a highway patrolman. <laughs> Maybe in another life, but thank you. But <laughs> Mark Jackson looked like you tried to draw Travis Scott from memory. <laughs> really? I'm gonna be nice. I love you. I love you. <laughs> Roquan Smith looks like a kid, but very tall. I'm not sure. At Ravens, at Big Mooski, Ozzy can cash these hands if you draft Stanley. April 28, 2016, 12.45 p.m. Sorry, bro. <laughs> this is from Big Guy 1992 Celebrating a first down? Really? We are that bad that we need to celebrate first down? God, I hate this team. I hate you too. <laughs> Tyler Linderbaum looks like he eats sauerkraut for breakfast. Well, I do, so joke's on them. I swear he looks like a neighborhood plumber. No disrespect. I don't really find the disrespectful. That's kind of like not a bad compliment. I'm so tired of watching Justin Tucker make every kick. He could come out from 70 yards away and I'd expect it to go in. Can't stand the guy and I'm ready for him to retire. I mean, that's not like super mean. I can I can get on board with that. Roquan Smith looks like Donald Glover, big cousin. <laughs> uh, I don't have the stash like him. I can see it with the afro, but yeah, that's about it. I don't see that famous wealthy YouTuber. At KennyMD2PA, interesting username. Kyle Hamilton looks like one of the rich kids on All-American. That's actually really funny. <laughs> I hate that, but it's actually kind of true. Kind of true. <laughs> that was well done. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why, but all my favorite ones were the Mark Andrews ones. Like, here's what's crazy is like, I've never thought that Mark Andrews is not like he would ever remind me of a highway patrolman. But once he said it, I was like, Oh, I could see that. Like if you put on the hat and was out there, you know, in a speed trap coming up to your window, if you got caught speeding, I could, I could see that. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why, but that yeah. one. And then when he's like, well, I hate you too. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I thought it was funny too. They're like, I don't know how like somebody looks like their name, but I kind of agree with that. <laughs> that tweeter, like he does, 
Mark kind of looks like a Mark Andrews, you know, he's a big burly dude, facial hair, you know, clean crew cut. I, I, I don't know why, but yeah, he looks like a Mark Andrews. Yeah, no, I get that. I remember I had a friend growing up, her dad's name was George. And I was like, that's so weird. He doesn't look like a George. He looks like a Brad. You know what I mean? So, so I mean, yeah. there's just times that you don't look like your name and sometimes you just hit it perfectly. So, uh, yeah, no, I thought that was well done. Love getting Tyler Linderbaum in there, right? Like yeah. <laughs> he, he, he doesn't want to play this game. Come on. Just no. read the flashcard, Tyler, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do eat sauerkraut. I knew that that was, I knew ex- that that's exactly where that was going. Oh, for sure. For sure. All right. So before we jump in, man, it's just always hard to properly transition into sharing news like this, which is just straight up tragic. But, you know, Sarah, we we both texted each other right after this broke on on what I guess it was a Tuesday evening. Uh, but former Ravens quarterback Ryan Mallett, who was in Baltimore from 2015 to 2017, he he recently drowned and lost his life at 35. And it's just one of those things where you you have to double take you, the, the the Twitter to make sure it's a verified account. You know, you have to double take this, the the notification news item that to actually think this something like this is real. And um, terrible, terrible news about a guy who had a ton of success in college had a good solid career in the NFL and bounced around to a bunch of different organizations, all of whom have, have put out their, you know, outpouring statements, heartfelt statements uh, since this news was released, but, you know, hard not to, to truly just think about uh, Ryan's loved ones and, and family. And during this time. Yeah. So just to read the, the Ravens um, statement on it, the Ravens said this, we are saddened to learn of Ryan Mallett's passing. Ryan was a tremendous person and a loyal teammate. He had an infectious personality and throughout his time as a Raven, Ryan's charisma and joy for being around the team were consistently on display. Our heartfelt condolences are with the Mallet family during this difficult time. And, you know, we do the same. I know, yeah, Bobby and I do the same, you know, give our um, thoughts and prayers out to Ryan Mallet's family and uh, ugh, when I read it, it's just it's just killer. I mean, it's just, ugh, you know, at the beach, you're at the beach and probably having, you know, a good time. And and um, it's just, you know, 35. He He's recently been coaching a high school team in Arkansas. So I'm sure this is like heartbreaking for the team also. And, you know, I I, I distinctly remember the, the conditions under which Ryan Mallett came to the Ravens because it was kind of um, a last minute thing. That was the year that Joe Flacco tore his ACL 2015 middle of the season. And then his backup who at the time was Matt, Sh- Matt Schaub. He also suffered an injury right after Joe Flacco. So it was just like, boom, boom. And, you know, obviously Ravens, fa- <laughs> Ravens fans are like, we can't catch a break here. Um, so then the Ravens, uh, Mallet had just been released by the, the, the Texans. Um, I believe just yeah, just kind of mid season. And so last minute they bring him in and then one of those December cold games against Pittsburgh, he's coming in out of nowhere and he led the Ravens to an upset victory over the Steelers. It was massive. And then the following week, week, even though the Ravens didn't win, he put up like 
he put up his career best. He put up a career high of almost 300 yards passing. Um, so, but yeah, he was like instantly a legend in Baltimore because he came in and beat the Steelers in a December game when, you know, the two, the two quarterbacks in front went down to injury. So I know that when uh, friends and family of mine have passed, I, we try to focus on celebrating their great moments. And so that's why I bring that one up. He was just the hero of the day. And, um, and he was great. He was a great backup to Joe Flacco for two years after that. He continued to be the backup until the Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson in 2018. And so, as I said, we send our best to his family, our thoughts and our prayers, and we hope that they can um, overcome what has just got to be a nightmare day for them. Yeah, I know, you know speaking to the college football world, I've kind of scrolled on a lot of tweets and a lot of tributes and, you know, a lot of folks see him and view him as, you know, or at least at, at one point, you know, in, in Arkansas history, or, you know, maybe they still, they feel this way that, that he was the best quarterback to ever come out of Arkansas. So this dude mm-hmm. was, you know, a competitor, <laughs> a gunslinger and, and someone that, I mean, I barely even know, I don't even really know Ryan, his, his story, all that well, Sarah, but anybody who after an NFL career um, and, and we know that so much fortune comes with being an NFL quarterback, you don't even have to be a starter, right? You can, you can bounce around the league as a, as a backup and have a great life and, and make a great living for you and your family. And so for him to be essentially giving back to the Arkansas community as a high school mm-hmm. baseball, as a high school football coach, uh, pretty much tells you all you need to know about this guy's heart. So um, our hearts are, are absolutely with the the Mallet family and, and his loved ones and, and his family throughout what has to just be, um, you know, uh, unspeakable times. So we wanted to make sure that we ended with that. Uh, rest in peace to Ryan Mallet. And with that, we have um, about halfway through another week, Sarah, getting ready for, of course, July 4th. We have a bunch of different interviews that are going to be coming up. We've mentioned a couple of them. Jeff Zrebeck, uh, Nick Moore, Ravens long snapper. All these in full will be released coming up next week. And we're also going to have a chance to catch up with our first Ravens rookie of this year's class. And as you guys have probably already learned i for whatever reason cannot master the pronunciation of salah's name so sarah i'm gonna i'm gonna let you take this one well let's hope i've got it but i believe it's mulai salah amuvai la ulu so um yeah i'm super excited about this Uh, in part there's a lot of reasons but in part this guy is creating buzz about potentially winning the left guard starting spot now i mean he's uh, uh, he doesn't have it. He's got a long way to go. But um, but yeah, I'm excited to talk to him about that competition because it's one of the few, if the only spot on the offensive side of the ball that is completely undecided. So those three plus more, including a mailbag episode, will all be available in pre-recorded fashion coming up next week because we are going to take some time to relax, spend some time with family, travel a little bit, and gear up for what we know will be a busy summer with training camp now under a month away from starting at uh, one winning drive up at the castle. So 
For Sarah Ellison, I am Bobby Trossett signing off from this Wednesday morning edition of our Morning Vault here inside the vault. We appreciate you. We appreciate your support. Go check us out on YouTube if you haven't already done so and consider subscribing, hitting that notification bell so you are made aware of when our content is being released, which of course is Monday through Friday, 5 a.m. Eastern with plenty more special and bonus episodes coming up as training camp approaches. Ah!